Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. What characterizes great friendships? Think about it. Uh, If you're alone while you're watching this, I encourage you to take out a pen of paper and jot a few ideas down. What characterizes great friendships? If you're with someone today, uh, speak it out loud to each other right now. What are some of the things that come to your mind that characterize great friendships? Maybe you think, well, someone I can be myself with. Someone that I trust. Uh, Someone uh, with whom I enjoy shared experiences, or maybe I have a, a hobby that we enjoy together, or just, you know, similar things, interests together. How about someone who has your best interests in mind? When I think of uh, characterizing a great friendship, I think of someone uh, with whom I have a kind of a heart connection. There's just something there. You aren't always able to put your finger on it, but it's there, right? Someone who supports you. Uh, Someone who's honest with you and challenges you, you know, to be your best self. And yet, at the very same time, accepts you for who you are. How about this one? They actually like you. (laughs) Great friendships. But what about those odd friendships? Those unlikely pairs? You know, the kind of people, sometimes married couples, you see them and you think, that should not have happened. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes these kinds of friendships really surprise us. Maybe a bit like this one. It's more of like a sibling relationship. One minute, they're both looking out of the front door together, kind of watching the world go by. And then the next minute, Blossom may grab a toy and Minnow thinks it's her toy. And so Minnow takes that toy. They can just kind of go back and forth with each other. It's kind of like they have a fun sibling rivalry at times. They always kind of make up with each other. There are two peas in a pod. She came to the shelter. I set her up in my office, and she was kind of terrified. She had no idea what was going on, so I brought her home, and at that moment, Blossom was immediately confident. Minnow led her over to her dog bed, and Blossom hopped on and just started, like, getting comfortable, and she just seemed perfectly happy. It was like she knew she was home. At that point, Blossom really took a lot of comfort from Minnow. She was her safe person. (laughs) Blossom would follow Minnow around, snuggle up to her, and they just kind of became best of buddies. We get up and hang out in the backyard. They like to poke around and Blossom will look for bugs. Both of them like to eat grass. 
They both really love to go hiking. Being outside for both of them is their comfort. And then come home, snuggle on the couch together. Minnow and I were definitely family before Blossom came, but there was just this missing piece. Blossom was that. Having both of them has just taught me that love is universal. <laughs> Okay, that is one odd friendship. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that? But if you think that is strange, then perhaps you haven't considered the oddest, most unlikely friendship of all. That is that you and I could be friends with God. That's odd, friends. That is actually way further out there than a turkey and a dog. Friendship between God and humans has got to be one of the most bizarre ideas anyone has ever dreamed up. Except we didn't dream it up. God did. And there's nothing like that. The idea of friendship with God found in any other religion or philosophy. It's only in the Jewish and Christian story that we encounter this reality, that the creator of the universe, the God of all power, of all wisdom, of all knowledge, the God of eternity past, present, and future, who holds all things in his hands and lives in this perfect relationship of love and oneness, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that this God, who would not only create us, who would not only care about us and even connect with us in some way and command us, but then, against all odds, want to be intimately related to us as friends. That's bizarre. It's odd. It's unlikely. And yet, each and every day of our lives, God himself is holding his hand out to us inviting us into friendship with him, calling us to walk as his friends. That makes a, a turkey-puppy friendship look positively normal, I'd say. And it's in Jesus that it becomes really, really clear. When Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Son of God, who became not only human, not only one of us, but lived as a friend of sinners, Jesus, who is the definitive revelation of the Father. If we want to know who God is, we look at Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, we see a friend of sinners. A friend of you and I. But, as we must always remember, there's a backstory to the coming of Jesus. Jesus, this friend of sinners, didn't emerge out of a vacuum, but arrived, rather, at the climax of a grand story the story of God's people, which is narrated to us beginning in Revelation and continuing through the story of God's people right to the coming of Jesus himself. Well, we're going to go right back to the beginning of that story today because I'd like us to explore what characterizes God's friendship with us through some creative re-engineering. You see, the first real hints 
of God's friendship with us can be discerned following a great catastrophe. Moments after humans betrayed God's trust and broke the ties of friendship, we see something important. It's kind of like we hear a crash in the living room. We walk in and a family heirloom has been bumped from the top shelf and lies shattered all over the floor. And we look at it and wonder, could we put this back together so that it resembled what we saw or knew before? Well, just like that, we're going to look into this early story of God's friendship just after things broke and see what it reveals about the kind of friendship that God created us for. We're reading from Genesis chapter 3. Stepping back slightly in Genesis chapter 2, you may be familiar with this story. This might be kind of new, but God had created a man and placed him in a garden, commissioned him to care of, take care of it, to to till it. And then, in kind of a creative way, God brought to this man's awareness that there was no one else like him in this garden. These animals, these trees, nobody like him. And so then God creates a woman, and there's this beautiful joining together of the man and the woman, united in covenant under God. Man and woman, one flesh, and they're they're together. And it says at the end of chapter 2, Uh, chapter 2 of Genesis, they were both naked, but they felt no shame. Well, as soon as chapter 3 starts, there's this snake in the tree. And he begins to talk to the woman and begins to question the trustworthiness and goodness of God, which eventually leads the woman and then the man to do the one thing God had told them not to do. Don't eat from a certain tree. Immediately upon eating, they felt naked, exposed, ashamed. And they tried to cover themselves up with fig leaves so they weren't so exposed. We're going to pick up in verse 8 of chapter 3 in Genesis. And you may want to look at it in your own physical Bibles on on your phone, uh, right in the the chat uh, in Church Online. There's a Bible option. However you want to look at it, but I do encourage you to follow along. Here's how we begin in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? What follows, of course, is the man blames the woman, the the woman blames the snake, and the snake doesn't have a leg to stand on. And then God relays all the consequences, the devastation that rolls out from this breaking of trust that not only affects The man and the woman affects creation itself, affects their relationship with each other and all things. And then at the very end of the story, in verse 21, we pick up with this. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, 
The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. What an epic tale. And there's so much for us to glean from this. But for today, we're going to focus our energy and our attention on a kind of re-engineering of this friendship that God had with the man and the woman just prior to the break and what that indicates for our friendship with God. You know, seeing what's been broken, can we put the pieces back together enough to see what kind of friendship that God actually wants to have with us as his human images. I think we can. And when we do, five powerful truths emerge about God's desire to be in friendship with us, to be in friendship with you. What do we see emerge? Well, first, we see that God enjoys focused times of regular connection with us. Right in the places we live, the places we work. When the man and the woman heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, this suggests a kind of regular visit. Many scholars and readers of Genesis have thought this. God had given dominion, responsibility, stewardship in this garden to the man and the woman. But he doesn't remain aloof. He's not a God who says, go and do your thing and, you know, someday I'll check back. But rather, a God who would show up, who would arrive in their space, who was interested in their lives, and would maintain regular contact with them. Now, we don't know how it happened. I mean, how this is that God, who is a spirit, doesn't have a body yet, walked in the garden of the cool of the day. We don't know. Did he take on some sort of pre-incarnational body? Did it, was it look like an angel? We don't know those kind of details. But what we do know is powerful, that God enjoyed focused times of regular connection with the man and the woman. This is beautiful. And it tells us something significant about our friendship with God. Because you know what? God still enjoys this with us now. Have you considered that? I mean, really thought about it? That God, our Father, Jesus, our Lord, the Spirit of life, actually likes to spend time with you. Time with me. Whether it's in the cool of the day or some hot afternoon, God loves to come to us, to walk with us in friendship. Times where we attend to his presence, where we are aware of him in a particular way. Yes, God is always with us. You know, as the story unfolds, one of the greatest truths that are revealed to us through the coming of Jesus and the coming of the Spirit is that God has now entered into us never to leave us, never to forsake us. But we know that much of our lives, we live without a focal awareness of God's presence. That's understandable. It doesn't change the fact that God is with us. But 
what this indicates is that God loves to spend time with us where he is, our focal awareness. He is receiving our full attention. That we are in direct conversation, focused visiting, enjoying each other's company, where our friendship with God, uh, the character of God, the the things he is telling us uh, through his word, uh, even sometimes in conversation with others, things we're learning, where that is actually right at the forefront of our hearts and our minds. Can you believe God enjoys that with you? He does. He really does. Well, as we continue to reverse engineer this story, we also discover that God desires relationships of real authenticity, where we can be who we fully are as his human images. You see, after the man and the woman heard the sound of God coming for his visit, they hid in shame, right? They realized they were naked. They hid in shame, which tells us something very important. Normally, they would not have hid. Normally, they would never have experienced shame. Uh, When God showed up for a visit and they heard him coming, they would have run to meet him in his arrival, excited to visit with him, to show him what they've been doing, to, 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 to point out new things that are growing, things they've been working on, or dreaming about. They would have embraced God's arrival with an openness, with a transparency, with a boldness, with a childlike wonder. And that's the kind of friendship that God desires to have with us now, where we can be fully ourselves with the gifts he's given us, with our warts and our struggles, but also our triumphs and our interests and our passions. You being fully who you are, without shame, hiding nothing. Because of Jesus and his work on the cross, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, we can really and truly begin to experience and live in this opened and unashamed way in our friendship with God. It's one of the beautiful results of the work of Jesus and the coming of the Spirit that we do not need to cower or hide. Shame, guilt, sin. It's been wiped away. You don't need to hide anymore. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? God wants you to be you, real, authentic, who he's created you to be. The third powerful truth we see is that we find a God who invites true engagement with him, who leaves us space to be distinct from him. When God calls out, where are you? He's not just playing with them. He's asking, you could even say, allowing for a response from us, from the man. He wants engagement. He wants us to choose in. God doesn't just pounce on them. You know, the moment they bite into the fruit, all of a sudden God's like, right there, in their face. That's not God. That's not how it 
happens. That's not how the story comes to us. And this tells us something significant. God doesn't smother us in relationship, nor does he play hard to get. Rather, he wants engagement. He gives us freedom to respond, to come, but also to hold ourselves back. He invites an active response, a real friendship, where we are able to show up, to speak, to listen, to engage. And when we hide, it actually hurts our friendship. But when we engage, our friendship grows. And fourth, through this reverse engineering, we come to realize that God expects friendships of trust and accountability. Where our lives are obediently aligned with his goodness and his grace. This is no small thing, though I think this aspect of the friendship pushes us a bit. Pushes us in how we understand friendship, but certainly how we understand our friendship with God. You see, when the man and the woman admit that they're hiding from God because they were ashamed of their nakedness, God responds by asking some pointed questions. Who told you you were naked? And have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And here, perhaps, is where we realize that while God wants genuine friendship with us, it is not a friendship between equals. It's not. Now, this is obviously true when we step back and just for a moment think about it. God is God. Or we are not. (laughs) We are us. We are created. We are finite. We are limited. We're not equal at all with this God. Not even in the same plane. Now, does that take away from the genuineness of the friendship? No, but it does influence it, and it certainly impacts how we think about it. We're in friendship with the one who created us in his image, who has given us life and breath and purpose, who sustains us, who knows us, And what this means is we engage in friendship with God as people who trust in his goodness, trust in his leadership, trust in his friendship, that there are actually boundaries to this, covenant boundaries, and we follow his lead. What does this mean? It means that God expects us to trust him in this friendship. That trusting him is vital to our continued friendship with him. That he will hold us accountable for that trust. That we enter into friendship with him through humble submission. And we attempt now to walk in step with him. That's what this friendship is like. And being in friendship with God is to be in covenant with God, who is not only our friend, but also our creator and our king and our savior and our God, which makes the very fact that God wants to be our friend even more amazing. 
And so we have to work that out. What does covenant faithfulness look like within this friendship framework? The truth is, we're not going to explore this today, but there's something in there that does apply to our relationships with each other. In the New Testament, we're told that we are to mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, of course, that we have to obey one another the way that we obey God. But there's something in there about a trust and an accountability and a mutual submission that is connected to the way that we relate to God, the God who is our friend. Next week, we're going to explore how Jesus moved our friendship with God forward, of course. But as a little prelude, we discover that Jesus also brings friendship and obedience together. When he said in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Which I've often remarked, wow, if one of my friends said that, I'd have a problem. You know, you're only my friend if you do what I say. Well, we've all met that kid, and we don't like that kid, right? But it's different here, because what we discover, of course, is that what Jesus is commanding them is to love one another, to trust him. The things that are not only for our good, but the good of the whole world. You are my friends if you do what I command. God expects these, this friendship with us to be a friendship of trust, a friendship of accountability, which not only protects us, but leads us on to our greatest good. Well, after God uh, outlines the tragic consequences of the, the mistrust of this man and this woman, their disobedience, he then reveals a crucial history-changing truth about our friendship with him. This is the fifth truth that emerges. God reveals his utter commitment to our long-term good and our continued friendship with him by making a way that we can return. He's utterly committed to this. You see, not only does God promise uh, when he's speaking to the woman that her seed, her descendants, will be victorious over evil, pointing clearly at Jesus, but he then goes on to make coverings for them. Coverings from animal skins. Sacrifices are made to cover their shame. God doesn't leave them exposed, but rather covers them and then protects them from further harm by banishing them from the garden. And it's right there in Genesis 3 at the end. It launches the whole story moving forward. What we see here is profound. What we see here is the story of the gospel, the good news. That God is so, so committed to our friendship with him that even when we failed in friendship, God said, I will not give it up. Even when we broke trust, when we didn't follow, when we said, God, I will not believe that you're good, even then God said, I will be their friend. If we could only glimpse God's desire to be friends with us. And from there, there's a tiny thread 
so tiny as it weaves through the story that we almost have to feel it more than we see it. But it leads us forward slowly, painstakingly, developed over centuries, that God wants his humans for his friends. That God wants us back. The God who created humans and desired friendship with them didn't just give up the moment that they broke trust, but he shows up in grace. He covers their sin. He protects their future. He embarks on a journey with them, with us, that would lead ultimately to the sending of his own son, Jesus Christ, who would die the death on the cross that our mistrust, our breaking of friendship deserved, brought on that Jesus would step into our place as our ultimate friend, giving up his life for us, that friend that sticks closer than a brother, and doing it all so that we could return as friends of God. That's amazing. And then he begins to extend that invitation. We see it in the story. He kind of narrows it to one one man, Abraham, invites him into a kind of special relationship with him that is largely marked by these five things we saw emerge from Genesis 3, such as obedience and trust and engagement and commitment and authenticity. And we're told in the New Testament letter of James, we're told that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. You hear the trust in there? Abraham trusted God. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And then here and there, there are a few people in that story, in the family of Abraham as the story unfolds, who crop up, who who seem to have a closer friendship with God. They didn't always call it that, but it's there in the story. We're told that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks with a friend. And we only have to read the Psalms of David to discover There's a deep friendship there between David and his God. Ancient Israel's greatest king was a friend. But let's be honest, those hints of friendship, even in the Old Covenant story, they're few and far between. They're there. But they indicate that there's still something not quite right. Something's not yet fixed. Something's not entirely whole. There's, there's still barriers. There's still something between, something that has to change, something that has to shift, which itself points us forward to a time, to a moment in time, when a friend will come for us. That friend who lays down his life, who sticks closer than a brother, because he is the friend himself. God arrives as one of us, but as God himself to give his life for us so that we can be restored in friendship with our creator. This is the invitation. God created us for friendship with him and he invites us into it. And so my question for you today is, would you receive this invitation into friendship? Maybe you're new to faith, church, Jesus, I don't know where you are at. If you're joining us today and we've covered some new territory, and maybe you've never even heard of the idea that you could be a friend of God. 
that God wants to be a friend with you. I hope you heard today very clearly the God of all creation, the God who revealed himself in Jesus, who died on the cross for you and rose again for you, wants to be in friendship with you. And I I hope you would hear that invitation today. If that's you, I invite you to, to reach out. You can email connect at ericksoncovenant.ca to explore what that means to be in friendship with God and what some of the further steps for you might be like. Not a high-pressure thing at all. We'll keep it friendly and explore what that means in friendship for you. For those of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, I wonder if you can hear this invitation again. That maybe when you're thinking about your relationship with God, maybe you've begun to think of it in ways that aren't as friendship-based. Maybe it's become a lot about duty or obligation, or maybe, frankly, it's just become kind of ho-hum. I don't know. But I'm hoping that you hear today a renewal, a renewed relationship, a renewed friendship, that you receive this invitation from your God today to walk in friendship with him. Listen, I want to encourage you to take these five truths this week and maybe use them as a discussion item, maybe with a friend, family member, maybe a group of you who are getting together for a coffee. Use these discussion questions as a bit of a, I want to say like a, like a friendship check. <laughs> and so just as we close today, I want to offer these pointed questions for you to kind of do a, a bit of an assessment on where you're at in terms of friendship with God, wherever you are. The first one is, I want to encourage you to do a connection check. Just ask yourself, do I have a regular visit with God? A regular appointment? (laughs) Do I enjoy focused times of visiting with God? Is that true of you? Or rather, when I step back and just ask myself honestly, do I realize I kind of lack a habit or a rhythm or regularity that God really desires to have with you. But it isn't there because maybe I've lost it or I've forgotten about it. And this is an invitation for you to think, okay, God really wants this with me. I really want this with him. What can I do to establish that? So do a connection check. Number two, do an openness check. How honest and open am I with God? Am I really able to be transparent? Am I really able to be free? Or am I hiding? Am I trying to tuck certain things away, either deluding myself or living in denial, of both things that are maybe a struggle hurting me, but also things that are good? Is shame keeping me away, making me hide? Number three, an engagement check. Am I actively engaging with God as my friend? Am I, am I, am I speaking up? <laughs> am I showing up? Do I have a, a plan? Is there, is there something active going on? I, I, I'm doing things with God as my friend, just like we would do with other friends. We, where we plan things. 
Am I actively engaging God in, in, in my work, in my family life? Is there a lot of this going on? Or rather, am I avoiding? Or have I been drifting? Or maybe just ignoring? Third, or fourth, sorry, uh, obedience check. This might be a bit of a hard one, but I think it's really important to note in your own life, in my own life, where am I growing in submitted obedience to God, my friend? Where is that happening? You know, where am I noticing, oh, I, I was really struggling with this, but I can see how God is helping me here. I can see how I'm overcoming this. I see how I'm growing in patience or growing in joy, growing in love. And then also, of course, what in my life is still not quite in step? Maybe really out of sync. That obedience check is critical because it's only in obedience that we can live in full friendship with God. We can receive all that God has for us and our good. And then five, related to that, is the forgiveness check. As I discover things that maybe aren't quite aligned or aren't quite right, am I confessing sin and expressing gratitude for God's commitment to this friendship? He doesn't throw it back on us. He comes to us to offer us forgiveness and grace and freedom through Jesus and by the Spirit. The Father is so committed to this friendship with us. As we confess our sin and express our gratitude, it makes us flourish in that friendship. So do this assessment. Discuss it with your spouse, with your friend, with your children. Talk about what it means to be in friendship. Because my, my friends, you, my friends, this is my prayer for us as a church. That we would truly understand and embrace and flourish in our friendship with God and our friendship with each other. That we would let God's friendship with us reframe everything about us. To walk each day as friends of God. That will transform us. I don't think there's anything more beautiful, anything more significant, anything more transformative or even noticeable in the life of a man, a woman, or a child than seeing a settled, peaceful life lived in friendship with the God who made us and loves us and is utterly committed to us. I hope you would receive God's invitation today into deeper friendship to true friendship with him. Listen, there's one more very practical action that you can take. This one's got a time stamp on it, but it's not too late to join us next weekend for our prayer retreat, August 14 and 15, up at the harbor at Rindell. We're hosting a guided prayer retreat, and the theme of our retreat is deeper friendships. We'll be taking a the kind of focused time that we talked about today in friendship with God and friendship with each other. It will be a wonderful time, and I strongly encourage you to come. If you have any interest at all, even last minute, please email connect at ericksoncovenant.ca and we will get you set up. If you want to find out more, discover more, I implore you, come to the harbor. Explore deeper friendships.
I'm so glad that you're with us today. Let me send you with this benediction. May the God of all friendship walk with you this day. May the Son who came to make a way for us back into friendship guard you all along the way. May the Spirit who fills us with trust and with joy and with freedom and with life enable you by His power to engage God's friendship now and tomorrow and in all the days ahead. Thank you so much for joining us today for Erickson Covenant Church Online. Go in grace. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.